thank you for connecting to the media product of LifeGate Church. Pastor Brian Gallardo prays as this product goes out into the nations, that it empowers your faith, stirs your spirit, and pushes you towards your God-given destiny. For more information, please go to www.lifegatekc.org. John chapter 15, verse 13 and 14, this is Jesus speaking. And he said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. Boy, that's a powerful statement. You are my friends if you do what I command. I want to talk to you this morning, a message entitled, Jesus is the friend of sinners. Jesus is the friend of sinners. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord. I pray that you help me too help somebody this morning that they would feel life and they would feel hope and they would feel love in this room today in the precious name of Jesus and the people of God said amen and amen here's what I want you to do here at LifeGate Church we believe in love on each other can you just turn around to your seat greet someone and love on them before you take a seat and let them know how glad you are to see them introduce yourself and welcome them in the name of Jesus we're so glad you're here online campus you know what we do hit that share button and let's get this message out because I believe today that God's going to reach people, that we're going to impoverish hell, and we're going to populate heaven. Let's believe God for many souls to get saved. If you're watching this broadcast, and at the end of the service, when we make a plea for salvation, I want you to let that person know who's there administrating this morning in the comment section that you've given your life to Jesus so we can broadcast it and tell everybody more got saved online. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Well, can you give the Lord a great hand of applause before you're seated very quickly? Oh, that was kind of weak. That was okay if it was for the cheese, but we're talking about the guy who got up on the third day. Can you just put your hands together in this room and give him a round of applause because he's good? With the living just because he lives. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Well, I'm so glad you all are here, and we, we pray and hope that God ministers life to you today. Um, but I live in the best nation on the planet. Can somebody say amen to that? I don't live in Mexico, so I can't speak on behalf of my mi familia. They're in Mexico. Viva la Mexico. I can't speak. I don't live in Canada, A, eh? So I can't speak on behalf of my Canadian brothers and sisters. But I live in the best nation on planet Earth, the United States of America. And one thing I know about us is I'm a studier of people and I'm a study of culture. And one thing about our culture is I know that we're quick to end things very fastly. Uh, we are quick as a culture to end marriages quickly. We break leases quickly. We break car loans. Come on, Brother Repo Man, pretty quickly. Um, it's easy for us to get into a, a mortgage and then have that mortgage taken from us into foreclosure. Relationships in this culture ends quickly and starts quickly. Friends come and friends go. Um, our culture loves the word friend and unfriend, for it's in our culture. I mean, we are all popular fans of the popular social media, Facebook, where we all can click that friend button or click the unfriend button. Or we can go to Instagram. We've been trained to hurry and follow or hurry and unfollow. Thank God I got an iPhone because, you know, some people can go sideways sometimes. And you can click that 
uh, block button or you can click that unblock button. When Jesus said these words and he called us friends, the culture in the first century world, when Jesus was speaking to first century Hebraic people, they had a different understanding of what friend meant than our understanding today. Uh, one was not even considered a friend in their culture unless something died. It was called a death, it was called a blood covenant. And there was no such thing as unfriending you once you became a friend. So when Jesus said, uh, uh, no greater love has anyone than this, and a man would lay down his life for his friends, he wasn't talking about how you and I have a friend. He was talking about something extremely deep that he actually died for. In order for him to call us his friends, he had to die, for that's the language of the day. Uh, there was no such thing as breaking a relationship or walking away from a relationship or sending someone a text to say, don't ever call me or talk to me again. This was a legal covenant that carried weight in their culture and it was completely, I want us all to say this word together, undoable. Say that with me, undoable. You see, you and I understand contract language. We don't understand covenant language. The word contract is a definition that means an agreement between two parties that carry clauses for breaking it. There's clauses in those contracts that we can break it. Even if it means you go to jail, you can still break it. And then there's the word covenant. And covenant is a biblical term. And it means an unbreakable promissory note that means sealed in the blood. So we have a Bible then that we read from about the story of God. With his relationship between man and God. There's two sections, 1,100 pages, 66 books. The first section is called the Old Testament. The, the, the other section is called the New Testament. The Old Testament really translated should be the Old Covenant and the New Covenant because in the Old Covenant, they would sacrifice animals for people to be forgiven of sins, which was temporary. But in the New Covenant, Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross and spilled his blood for all of humanity. So if we are dirty, rotten, filthy, and sinful, which we are all guilty and can say amen, you can ask for forgiveness. That's why the gospel of 1 John said that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So when Jesus comes up on the scene and he starts using the word language like friend, he wasn't talking about unfollow and follow. He wasn't talking about block and block. He wasn't and talking about getting out of the lease or breaking the home mortgage. No, Jesus was saying, I have given my life for this thing that I give you. If I give you my word, let me be dead if I go against it. Jesus gave his life a ransom for many. That's why the gospel of John recorded, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that who would ever follow him, whoever put their hope in him, who would ever believe on him will not go to hell, but they will go to heaven. For God did not send his son to condemn you of your sin, but to love you. You know, church has done a bad job with painting the wrong picture of Jesus. We have made Jesus to look mean. We have made Jesus to look angry. We have made Jesus to look like he had a big stick waiting for you to sin and waiting for you to fail so he can knock you upside of the head. But my friend, that is not the gospel. First John tells us that God is love. You cannot separate God from love and you cannot separate love from God. You 
You can't take love out of God. It's his definition. It was love that sent Jesus to the cross. It was God's compassion for you that sent Jesus to the cross. You may be here today and you may say, but pastor, I struggle. Well, join the club. You may say, pastor, I sin. Well, join the club. You may be here today and you say, I struggle with this onsetting addiction. Well, join the club. Here's what I know about God. God says in his word that all can come to him. God said in his word that all you have to do is unfollow you to begin to follow him. All you have to do is abandon you and follow after Jesus. Come on. There's so much love in him. There's so much joy in him. There's so much victory in him. See, some of you that don't serve God, you're at the bottom of the barrel. You're at the end of the rope and you're wondering, how can I be free? How can I get my joy back? How can I get victory? How can I get hope? I want to tell you today at the end of this service, we're going to give you an opportunity to get it back. And the only way you can get it back is if you get in covenant with God, is if you say yes to Jesus, if you say yes to God and you start following him and unfollow the world. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is the friend of sinners. So this blood covenant then that they would partake in as, as people in the first century, uh, it was always taken because ha- they wanted to become friends of two different parties. So I've asked two people to come and help me. I've asked Tyrone and I've asked Quincy. Y'all give it up for them. They're great looking guys. They love the Lord. Put your hands together and uh, come up here. So what happened was when somebody came into agreement as friends in the first, tr- in the first century Jerusalem, when they were understanding the language of God, they knew that friends had nothing to do with social media, but it had to do with an eternal bond forever. So so what would happen is two families would come together. A lot of times in a wedding, it looked this way. Two families come together, and they would cut what was called a covenant. Now, Tyrone, you're going to play Jesus because you got the white on. So you're going to stand over here. You're going to play Jesus. And and Quincy, you're going to play all of us. You are all of us. You're sinful us. You're wretched us. You're addicted us. You're you're perverted us, you're, uh, you're, you're smoke infested us, you shot it, you snorked it, you sexed it, you've done everything you can, it's you, you're filthy, rotten, dirty sinner. And over here, we have Jesus. Now don't shout, Teresa, this is just for illustration. He is perfectly made. There is no flaw in Jesus. His ways are good and he is full of love. Look at that smile. He's full of love. He sees that you're wretched. He sees that you're undone. He sees that you are broken, but yet he still says, I want to be your friend. In the Bible, there's a woman who the Bible says she was caught in the act of idolatry. Now, I like to use my imagination when I read the Bible. That means somebody caught her and another man in the act knocking boots up in a Motel 6 somewhere. They caught her in the act of having perverted sex. They drug her to the feet of Jesus and threw him at her feet, at his feet. And and they said, what do you do about this? Jesus. Jesus, I believe with eyes of compassion, looked at that girl and then looked at all them lying, hating, pharisaical, religious church bumpkins with Christian bumper stickers holding their car together. He looked back at them and said, well, you that don't have any sin, you cast the first stone. Then he looked at the young lady. He said, I don't condemn you either. He said, I'm for you. I have compassion for you. Go and sin no more. You see, Jesus did not come to seek and save the perfect. Jesus came to save and seek the law. He came for the sin sick of man. He came for the brokenness of man. He came for the depressed of man. He came for the addicts of man. He loves you and he came to be the friend of sinners. Somebody say, Jesus is the friend of sinners. 
Well, in the times of Jesus, for these two parties to come together, they had to go through nine steps. The first step that they did is they met in the middle. Y'all meet here in the middle. And then they exchanged their outer garments, their coat, their cloaks, their robes. They took off their robes and they said, here, let me give you my robe and I'm going to take your robe and you can give me my robe. And that way, when anybody sees us out, y'all put those on the best way that you can. They may not fit. Praise God. You're two different sizes of people. Whenever somebody would see... Whenever, whenever they would see, there you go, Tyrone. See, see, don't really fit him, but that's all right. It ain't supposed to fit him. Because when they would cut covenant as a family, when they would see Tyrone out on the street, they knew that, oh, he's wearing Quincy's robe. And that identifies him as a Quincy knight. So we better not mess with him because he's with Quincy and Quincy's with him and they are a family now. But then when they would see Quincy out on the road, out on the street, they would say, oh, better not mess with Quincy. They have exchanged garments. Now, here's what you need to know. In Hebraic culture, in the times of the Bible, a garment represented life itself. It represented somebody's identity. So when you gave somebody your garment, you were saying to them, now you are of me and I am of you. It was a great exchange. Let me preach the gospel now. You are not perfect. You are a mess. You say, no, I'm not. Well, you can't even realize you need salvation until you realize you're lost, a mess, and on your way to a devil's den. But Jesus is perfect. Here's the good thing about God. He made himself who knew no sin. He put sin on him himself so so you could be clean. He, it's a great exchange. He takes our sin and gives us his holiness. He takes our bondage and he gives us freedom. He takes our joy and our depression and he gives us joy. He takes our sickness and gives us health. He takes our poverty and gives us prosperity. They exchange the robes. Well, the next thing that had to take place in a covenant See, when Jesus said we are friends, this is what he was saying. He wasn't saying you can unfollow me, you can confess a prayer on Sunday and never see you again, ever again. That's not what he was saying. He would say we rolling together. It was a ceremony. The next thing they did is they took off each other's belts and they exchanged their belts. See, this is weird. I know it's weird. Just hang on a minute. Do your best you can there, Tyrone. Do your best there, Quincy. That belt looks a little better on you, Quincy. A belt during this time, we, 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 we you know, some of us may carry uh, pistolas. Praise God. Santo, Santo Señor. All right. But we need a belt to hold our pistolas. But during the first century, they would have their long knives and swords on their belts. And when they exchanged belts, what they were saying to one another is, nobody best mess with you. They ought to just leave you alone. Because if they're going to fight you, they're, they're going to have to get through me. Tyrone's family would tell Quincy's family if they're going to fight you, they're going to have to fight me. And there's more than me here. I got aunties. My mama's here. My, my, my grandmama. They, you don't want to mess with grandmamas, I'm telling you. They, 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 you got, they got my sister, my cousins, all them. They, did they mess with you, they're going to have to mess with me. And this is a covenant God made with us to say if the world's going to mess with you by the Calvary's cross that he gave us through the covenant of the blood of Calvary, he is telling you today that if you will say 
say yes to Jesus, he will fight your battles. He will fight that sickness. He will fight that depression. He will fight that anxiety. He will fight. Come on, somebody. He's going to fight for you. He ain't going to leave you alone. Come on. He's going to fight for you because Jesus is the friend of sinners. So, so, so in the Bible then, God cuts covenant with Moses. And he says, Moses, you're my friend. And he tells Moses in Exodus 14, 13, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. What he was basically telling Moses, hey, Moses, you ain't got nothing to worry about. I know Egypt's coming for you. I know they're trying to kill you. I know they're trying to drag your soul to the bottom of, the, of that sea. But don't you worry because I'm right here with you. They mess with you. They mess with me. And I'm here to tell you today, some of you in this room, all you've ever fought, all, all you've ever felt in life is people fighting you. All you've ever felt in life is people betraying you. All you've ever felt in life is a big old stab in the back and a knife sticking out six feet tall. But I am here to tell you, if you will say yes to Jesus, he won't fight against you. He will fight for you. That's the power of a blood covenant. Somebody say, he is the friend of sinners. But then it gets weirder, Quincy. And in Hebraic culture, for them to cut covenant, they would have to sacrifice an animal. They would take an animal, and they would split that animal right down his head all the way to his tail and lay them bodies on each side. There would be a half of the body here and half of the body here. And then what they would do is they would follow each other and they would make a figure eight as if it was a racetrack. And they would follow each other around those, those broken pieces of body. They would follow each other around those, those broken pieces of body. And as they did, the blood of that animal got on the base of their feet. And as they did, they were intermingling the blood with the families. And what they were literally saying out loud, this is a part of a blood covenant. They were saying out loud that if I go against you or you go against me or we try to break this covenant before God, may we be both like these dead bodies dead. Here is what Jesus came to do for you. They literally ripped his body apart on a good Friday. The Bible said his visage was so marred his mama couldn't recognize him. His head was the size of a basketball. His eyes were swollen shut. With the cat of nine tails, they ripped his body into bloody pools laying upon the ground. They threw him upon a cross and God literally cut covenant with his son to tell you that if I won't love you, if I won't be there for you, let me be as a dead body. Here's the good news. It's impossible for God to go back on his word hey it's impossible for him not to be your friend it's impossible for him not to love you save you deliver you and be there for you Jesus is the friend of sinners boy that's so good I'm gonna take a drink of this water then the next thing they did Tyrone pull put your hand out like that your right hand put your right hand out like that Jeremy, give me your knife. It's about to get real in here. The leader of the tribe from each party would come together. The one leader would cut the palm. Don't, don't let me cut you, Tyrone. He's putting that hand. He really trusts me. He's like. The, the one leader would cut this palm. The other leader would cut this palm. Then they would interlock hands. And they would raise them high. And what would happen is the blood would start to mingle and run down their arm. 
his blood would become Tyrone's blood. Tyrone's blood would become Quincy's blood. Pastor, better be careful. You never know what they got might get in you. That's the whole point. He cannot say I'm Quincy anymore. He cannot say I'm Tyrone anymore. We're from two different tribes. Here's the power of the kingdom. What Jesus did on the cross that day allowed you and I to become one with God and God with us. Come on in here. That means when the devil's fighting you, he's, he's fighting you, Jesus. He's fighting you, Jehovah. Me, Jehovah. No, you and Jehovah, but together it's you, Jehovah. He's fighting the God in you when he fights you. Take my joy. Take my peace. Oh, honey. You're going to have to fight Jehovah Shalom who's on the inside of me. You ain't, because we won, you see. I've, I've adapted to the covenant. I've agreed with the covenant. I've said yes to Jesus. He's my elder brother. So if you mess with me, you mess with him. He and I are one. Remember, Jesus, sinner. Jesus, let me break it down for you. You. Jesus, drunk you. Doped up you. Smelling like the devil's lettuce you. What? Come on, you. Clubbing you. Funky town you. Wine bibbing you. You ain't saying nothing in here. Jesus said, I want to be with you, and I want you to be with me. So what I got you can get, I'm going to put in you and take your sin from you. Jesus is. The friend of sinners. Fifthly, what they did is they exchanged names. What's your middle name, Tyrone? Lamar. Lamar. What's your middle name? Alexander. Alexander. Well, now you're Alexander, Tyrone. And now you're Jamar, Tyrone. He looks like a Jamal. Jamal? Lamar. Lamar. <laughs> you look like a Lamar. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? And that's what hell did when they found out we took on Jesus' name. He don't look like a Lamar. He don't look like a Jesus. He don't look like saved blood bought. He's still a mess. He's still got sin in his closet. He still don't do everything right. But the Bible said if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to free us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Brother Lamar, me, Brother Quincy. Quincy Tyrone, and now I'm all confused. They exchange names. I'm so thankful that my name has been written in glory. Come on. I'm so thankful I'm not associated with hell. I'm not associated with the devil. That when God sees me, he sees the blood of his son over me. That when he sees me, he sees God's son. He sees Jesus, his brother. Come on. When he sees you, if you're blood bought, you've said yes to Jesus. He sees you as a disciple of God. A new name. Somebody say a new name. Then what they did is they would open up their hand like this. And they would go to the fire pit and they'd gather some ashes and they'd put on a cloth and they'd start wiping that thing until it healed with ashes. You say, why did they do that? Because they wanted the scar to become as big as it could get. This is so good. 
This is how you become a friend of God. Jesus already did this for you. It's a weighty word. So they would have this big scar on their hand. So Quincy would go to his tribe. Lamar would go to his tribe. And they'd be minding their own businesses. But they were blood brothers and family. Well, off in the distance comes a thousand chariots of enemy warriors to Quincy's house, Lamar's house. Lamar don't say a word. He sees them coming. He sees how their bad breath coming through their big old mouths. He sees them coming, their unibrows and their cock. He sees them. All Quincy does, he raises that scar and shows them. And all of a sudden, the opposing army in the distance pulls back on their horses and says, uh-oh, he's not fighting by himself. You see that scar? He's in covenant with somebody. He's got more friends than we got. He's holding that arm with, with confidence. That's why Jesus gave us the Bible verse in Luke 10, 19, just to prove a point. Behold, I give unto you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the devil and nothing shall any means hurt you. Why? Why won't anything hurt me? Because I got somebody better than me. I got somebody bigger than me who will fight my battles and kick the devil out of my house, out of my life, out of my mind. It is name is Jesus who is the friend number seven I'm moving right am I doing all right Mariah all right number seven the seventh thing that they would do is they would have terms of the covenant they would open up a scroll and begin to pin different things you guys can come back together because it helps me look better up here with you up here by me what's your checking account number just kidding uh, <laughs> This tribe would give him all of his information. This tribe would give him all of his information. He had his cash app login number. He had his ATM pin number. Everything he had belonged to him. Everything he had belonged to him. It was the term of the covenant. Now you and I can't really give God much except a sacrifice of praise be obedient in our tithe and our offering, and be obedient in our life with God. But he knows you're going to mess up and fail because the Bible said if you, don't, if you say you have no sin, you make God out to be a liar and the truth's not in you. Everybody in here is guilty. But God's got everything to give. He's given us the terms of the covenant. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. When I was a little kid, Elder Lee used to sing a song. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L, icky wicky e the Bible. Everything that the terms of this covenant say I can have, if I follow God, I can have it. If it says I can go to heaven and not have to go to hell if I follow Jesus, I can have it because it's written. If it says joy is mine, it is written. If it says peace of mine, it is written. If it says freedom belongs to me, I get it. Why? Because it is already written in the covenant. That's the terms of the covenant. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. So shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth. 
it shall not return back void or empty but it will accomplish everything that I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it for the grass withers and the flowers fail but the word of God will endure forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever it's the terms of the covenant somebody say yes I dare to look at your neighbor and say healing belongs to you come on do it say salvation belongs to you victory belongs to you power belongs to you authority belongs to you because it's in the covenant Jesus is a friend of sinners Jesus is see he loves the little prostitute he loves the little drug addict come on in here he loves to see when there's track marks up and down that line of those veins on that arm of that heroin addict because when he steps in the room he becomes the freedom giver he came to seek and save the down and outer he came to seek and save the lost soul he came to seek and save a sinner like you and I because Jesus is the friend of sinners Whoa! somebody say yes Number eight, this eighth thing he did. I got to hurry. All that candy will be in the field if I don't hurry. They would, I should have brought some bread, but I didn't bring any. They would get one loaf of bread, Tyrone. And the, the tribal leader would come and he would break the loaf. And you each got the same piece of bread from the same loaf. Then they would give them a glass filled with wine. And each one would take a drink out of that glass. The Lord's Last Supper. You see, well, why did they do that? You have to know the culture of the Bible. It was one of the final processes from cutting covenant was having a meal together. It was saying this loaf came from the same factory. It was saying this loaf is going to get in you and get in me. This is where racism dies. I don't care if you're wheat bread. I don't care if you're Wonder White bread. When you come into the kingdom of God, you lay your racial problems on the feet of the Calvary and we become a family and we become one. Because what's in Tyrone is now in Quincy and what's in Quincy is now in Tyrone. And we are now one blood. We are now one flesh. And it's the kingdom power and family of a living God. Somebody say yes. So see Jesus at the Last Supper when he broke bread with his friends, his friends. But the last step to breaking covenant is that the party would go and get a brand new little baby tree and they would go outside of the city to where it was an isolated place and they would plant that tree. They would scoop up some blood and they would sprinkle it on the tree as a memorial that these two families are now one, and it has to be undone. You can't undo it. Jesus, our Lord, the Bible said was the lamb slain. He is the animal. He cut, he cut covenant with himself. The Bible said that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. In the city, they took Jesus out on a hill called Golgotha. 
People say, why is it called Golgotha? Well, that means the place of the skull because when they would put people upon a tree, upon a cross in that time in history, it was the worst of the worst in society. See the people hanging on the cross as, as vultures would come and pick apart pieces of their flesh and until they were rotted complete and their bones would just pile up and heap piles all over that hill. They wouldn't put people in tombs. They wouldn't put people in graveyards. It was a place of total disgrace and dishonor. There was a man on Jesus' side on the cross that day. He represents you and I. And the Bible said that he cried out to Jesus and said, Lord, please, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Bible said Jesus looked at this thief, this criminal, possible rapist, and he said, you will be with me in paradise. See, we come here today and we're here on Easter. Some of us are dressed in our finest, our Sunday's best, rocking our Harold Pennard suits, looking the best we can but if truth be known if we really knew the story behind that person sitting next to you looking and smelling good I am that man come on in here we are wretched we are sinful we are we are undone and in need of the sacrificial animal that hung upon the tree named Jesus watch Jesus there as he begins to cry seven powerful words Eli, Eli, Lama Sabatani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm so thankful that Jesus hung upon a cross as our eternal sacrifice. He felt every sickness upon his body. Every sin that you have done, will do, and continue to do. The wrath of God was poured out upon his son on that tree that day. It was so disgusting and so filthy and so sinful that his father literally had to look away from the unholiness that was upon his son. You see, what started in the garden in Genesis chapter number one, when man partook off of a fruit from one tree and sin entered the world, ended on a hill called Golgotha with another man hanging on the cross, on the tree that took the sin off of the world. When they took Jesus before Pontius Pilate, he asked the Jews a question. He said, what are you going to do with this man they call the Christ? Today, I know we got a lot of first-time guests here. I know we got a lot of family members here today. But I would be a horrible pastor and a horrible preacher if I did not tell you that God wants you to do something with this son named Jesus. Everyone stand to your feet with me. We're going to conclude here in just a minute. But I want to give you an opportunity to know this man, Jesus. Many of you here today, you say, Pastor, I'm a mess. You don't know my story. I, I got high last night. Ain't nobody care about that. You may, you may have alcohol on your breath this morning. Nobody cares. We're glad you're here with alcohol on your breath. We're we glad you're here smelling like a skunk. What? We, we glad you're here when you messed up last night by swiping left and hooking up downtown in the city. We're glad you're here because Jesus wants to be your friend. He, he wants to take your sin and give him his holiness. He wants to take your mess and give you his cleanliness. He wants to take your fear and give him, give you his faith. He's a good God. He is the friend of sinners. What I want you to do is I just want you to close your eyes for a moment, bow your head, and reach over and take that person next to you by the hand. 
Please, no one looking around for just a moment. No one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. What are you doing with Jesus today? Are you following him? Do you know him? Do you want to be his friend? The Bible said that all of us are going to one day stand before God in heaven, but not all of us are going to be able to stay there. See, Jesus said on that day when you stand before God, you will hear one of two things, either enter in my faithful servant or you will hear depart from me. I never knew you. In that moment, you will either walk into paradise called heaven where there is no more sorrow, no more tears, where there is no more pain, no more sickness, no need for hospitals or no need for dialysis. It's a place of perfection, but the other side of the coin is a place where there's smoke filling the corridors of the damned and the doomed, where the Bible said men will gnaw their pain, gnaw their tongue in pain, but they will get no relief. Your Bible said hell is a place where the worm will not die and the fire is not quenched. It's an eternal place. There are no exit signs. There are no elevators and there are no stairways to heaven. Once death is there, death will seal your eternal destiny. Either heaven, I hope, my friend, or hell, which I hope you would answer the call of the preacher this morning and give your life to Jesus. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end are the ways of death. Turn to Jesus today. Make a decision to follow God. Don't go to hell for anybody. God loves you. He proved it in his cross. He proved it in his burial, and he proved it in his resurrection. He only came to die for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to examine your life for just a moment because we live like we're promised tomorrow, but the Bible said we are but a vapor. We are here today and gone tomorrow. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised tomorrow, but you are promised death. You are one minute away. You are one minute closer to your eternal destiny than you were when you walked in this building. Your heart may be beating for the very last 20 times before you get off this parking lot. Before you get home today, you might get in a car wreck and somebody might have to take your, your shoes off of your dead body. You may have put your shirt on for the very last time you may have kissed your loved ones for the very last time you may have texted your loved ones and told them happy Easter for the very last Easter you may be approaching death sooner than you think and I'm here to tell you today that God loves you God wants you God accepts you he wants you to come to heaven one day he wants you to follow him in this earth so you can follow him to the pavilions of glory in a place called heaven I'm going to count to three, and when I count to three, what I want you to do, if I'm talking to you and you want to be assured for heaven as if you were already there, I want you to squeeze that hand to the left or right of you. If you're away from God, if you're backslidden or you're away from him, if you've never given your life to Jesus, today is your day. Overflow, I want you to do the same thing. And those of you that give your life to Jesus here in a moment, I do want you to use a side door, and I do want you to come in this sanctuary when we give the call. One, this is it. Here we go. One, Pastor Brian, I want to make sure I get to heaven. I want to make sure I follow Jesus here so I can follow him into the streets of gold there. One, two, you are not promised tomorrow, and I want to encourage you one more time. Serve God. Don't serve the devil. Have blessing. Don't have cursing. Go to heaven. Don't go to hell. Serve God. Come on. God is beckoning you today. He's pleading with you today. That's why your heart's pounding. You feel like your heart's up in your throat. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said he will not always strive with man. Come while he's drawing you. Come while he's pleading 
you here. This is it. Get ready to squeeze that hand. One, two, three. All over this room, squeeze that hand in overflow. Squeeze that hand. If you're watching online, just give a fist bump in the comment section that that means you squeeze that hand. You're going to say yes to Jesus today. You're going to say yes to God today. You're going to become a friend of Jesus today. This is it. This is it. On the count of three, if you got your hand squeezed, what I want you to do is I want you to bring this person to the altar and we're going to pray together and we're going to get them assured for heaven as if they were already there. This is it. One, two, three. Come on, get out of your seats and come.